You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here this morning on our birthday. Glad you are here uh, to help celebrate it with us. Uh, as you see, we've got our, uh, our slides, and, and no, we're not going to do the baptisms in the water slide. Although, maybe next time, maybe next time. Uh, no, we're really glad that you're here. I do want to underscore, uh, we're going to be doing uh, cookouts already happening. We've got hamburgers, all beef hot dogs. At the end of the celebration today, you are all invited, whether you signed up or not, uh, to be a part of it. It's going to be happening over in the cafe. I uh, hope that you will do that. Let your kids enjoy the water slides. And if you have a kid at heart, you can enjoy them too. So I'll let you uh, use your discretion on that. So happy birthday, Vineyard Church of Augusta. Uh, we're 35. We're 35. Now, it has been a while since I identified as 35, all right? In fact, I've got a birthday coming up, and it's going to be the 20th anniversary of me celebrating my 37th birthday. You do the math. You do the math. But birthdays are a really good time for us to reflect and to assess the last year, uh, and simultaneously to look ahead to the year and envision and dream and ask uh, the Lord what, what he wants of that. And we've got a perfect opportunity as we are continuing our message series in Ephesians, uh, Fresh Reformation. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us to, to really let the Holy Spirit come and envision us for the season ahead, even as we assess uh, the past season. Uh, a lot of really wonderful things have happened here at Vineyard Church of Augusta over the last year, and I also know that God has a lot more for us in the year ahead, in the season ahead. Uh, as, we, as we begin the second half of Ephesians, and we're going to be turning to Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles and want to read along with us this morning, um, we, we note that uh, we, several of us have mentioned that Ephesians is pretty much divided into to two sections. The first three chapters really focus a lot on our beliefs, uh, the position we have in Christ, and then the second half uh, pivots and focuses more on uh, our practices as uh, believers, as followers of Jesus. And it, it also uh, focuses on you know, how we should behave and, and the behaviors that go into play, a very much the idea of how do we live what we believe. And, and Paul is talking about that. And one of the big themes that we're gonna read about today, and we've already read about it some in Ephesians, and it actually is one of the major themes in Paul's letter that he wrote from prison to the early church, is the theme of unity, the theme of unity. And uh, we're going to be looking at that today. Paul's already talked about it some, but this morning we're going to look at our calling to unity. Uh, it is, uh, it's one of the things that, that, that God is calling us uh, as a church. It's, it's something that's a constant because there's so many forces in our lives and in the world around us that would seek to divide us, uh, to distract us, and God is calling us to have a unified uh, vision, a unified purpose, a unified mission. And so this morning as we begin Ephesians 4, uh, the put into practice part of Paul's letter, uh, I want to address before we look at the scripture, some of the major takeaways uh, from this section. Uh, we're called to be united in our mission 
both Vineyard Church of Augusta and the body of Christ as a whole. Uh, we are called to uh, be united in the way that we honor and value each other. Look around the people, your, your church family, uh, whether you uh, have been here for 30 years or whether you've just been coming the last few weeks, uh, we are called to, to value and to honor each other. And then we're also called uh, to be united in our utter dependence on the Holy Spirit. Because all the things that God wants us to be, that he wants to do in us and do through us, these things are completely impossible without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so keep those things in mind as we, as we look at Ephesians 4, uh, verses 1 through 10. Uh, these are the, sort of the, some of the big takeaways that we'll be looking at this morning. But let's see how, how Paul expresses this in his letter. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, and this is a reference to Psalm 68, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then Paul sort of parenthetically asked, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill us. Come and fill your church. Come and transform your church. Come and reform your church. Come and empower your church. Come and unite your church. God, we thank you for all that you have done in us and with us and through us over the last 35 years. And our hearts cry, Lord, is let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in greater measure, in greater power, with greater love. In the year ahead and the season ahead, come Holy Spirit and unite us in this mission, in this cause, in this purpose, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So far in Ephesians, uh, Paul has reminded us of our position in Christ and the basis for um, our beliefs. And now it's time for us, as I said, to focus on the practices and the behaviors. And he begins chapter four with a challenge, this challenge. He says, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, there are many, many different kinds of callings. As individuals, we have a variety of unique callings. Uh, I'm called to be a pastor. Um, you may be called to be a teacher or uh, a doctor or a soldier, or maybe you are called to be a stay-at-home parent. Uh, there are all kinds of unique callings that God gives us individually. But this morning, we're focusing on our call, our singular call as the church, 
And it is a call to make disciples, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and to do so with passion, to do so with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, both our individual callings as well as our collective calling as the church, these are both vitally important, okay? So I'm not saying that your call as an individual is not an important thing. You need to seek the Holy Spirit. Ask him, God, what what would you have me do with my life? How would you have me spend my days? Because let's face it, most of us spend most of our time in our workplaces, whatever that might be. And so it's vitally important for you to know, God, what is your will for me? What is your purpose for me? And so we want to know that. I'm not discounting that, but for our purpose this morning, it's about focusing. And I believe what what Paul is calling us to in this passage is for us as the body of Christ, as the church, to be honed in on what our mission is. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That word worthy. Uh, It's about let the full weight of that, let that make an impression on your life. On the way you give uh, your, yourself to, to living, uh, your time, your energy, your resources, uh, it should make a difference. The calling of the church should make a difference in our lives as followers of Jesus. It shouldn't be some sort of little side accessory that we put on when it's convenient, but it should really make an impression on our lives. This worthy calling, it, it should impact the things that we do and the way that we treat others and the way that we uh, view the world around us. You know, when Jesus sent out his original disciples, he told them this back in Matthew. He said, proclaim the message of the kingdom and proclaim them and then demonstrate it by doing this, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing those who have leprosy, driving out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. And if you remember Jesus' parting words to his disciples before he left this earth, to ascend to the Father. He says, you know, go and make disciples and baptize them like we're going to do this morning. Baptize them and teach them to obey. And the wonderful promise that he gave us in doing all these things is like, you're not going to have to do this alone. I'm going to be with you, empowering you to do this mission that I have given you. So again, I encourage you in your individual callings, If you're trying to figure out, God, what have you wired me for? Why have you made me the way you have? What would you have me do with my life in terms of a vocation or an avocation, something that you give a lot of time and energy to? Ask the Holy Spirit and he will lead you and he will show you and he will guide you. We need to do that as individuals. But Vineyard Church of Augusta, as a collective unit, as this part of the body of Christ, as this church family, we can never forget our singular mission. Our singular mission is to proclaim the good news of Jesus and make disciples. That we can't. We cannot lose sight of that. And as a, as a leadership team, and uh, in, in every level of leadership in our church, we want to view everything we do through that filter. And if it doesn't fit that filter, and it doesn't uh, promote that aim, We don't want to waste our time and energy with it. We're about making disciples. So everything that we seek to do in kids' church, in youth, adult ministries, our ministry to and with the poor, uh, spiritual formation, everything we do in the life of our church is about making disciples and sharing the good news of Jesus. This is our mission. This is our calling. 
And as we carry out our mission, we are called to live out our, our calling to, to God's kingdom. Uh, and we do so with the character of the kingdom of God. It's not just about the actions of the kingdom, but as Paul tells us in this next passage, that we are to do it in the character of the kingdom. And a key component of our witness to the world, the thing that we're actually called to be, to be a witness empowered by the Holy Spirit, a key to that is how we love and how we care for one another. It's, it's huge, okay? It is not so much what we say to the world as our witness, but they are watching, aren't they? And they should be. And our job is to demonstrate. It's not just proclamation. It's not just preaching a, a good message. We want to do that, but that message means nothing if we're not fleshing it out with actions that show the love of Jesus. And so that's what Paul says. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, I got to be honest. Can I be honest with you? No, Reese, lie to us as our pastor. That's what we want you to do. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes being a Christian would be so much easier if you didn't have to contend with people. Can I get a witness, all right? But, but that is not the way God arranged things. And you gotta say, that's coming from an extra extrovert, all right? I'm saying that, I'm, I'm confessing that this morning. Uh, but, but it's true. The power of the Holy Spirit will enable us. He will empower us. He will do that work of reformation, that work of reforming us, that work of transforming us and empowering us to be able to do these very things. Because, I mean, recognize some of these words, uh, uh, gentleness and patience and love. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit, the byproduct of the Holy Spirit living in us and doing that work in us. So what does this mean practically? It means that we truly value one another, that we truly recognize that I need you and you need me, and we need that for each other. Um, Robin challenged us really well a few weeks ago on the importance of listening to each other. That's a huge gift that I believe God is calling us as the body of Christ to have a special anointing for. Uh, I'm amazed, I'm amazed at how complete strangers will just engage me in conversation. It's really not conversation, it's monologue, and I'm the audience. But that's all right, because there are opportunities in that that the Holy Spirit will highlight, where rather than me going and trying to force a message on somebody, that I'm able to listen and actually respond to things that they're bringing up things that they are noticing, things, needs that they that felt needs that they are aware of. And I believe as we become better listeners, that God's just going to bless that. It's, it's, that's that part of honoring one another and valuing one another. It's something we want to do as part of the body of Christ, having rich conversations. And today at lunch, I hope that you can have some really rich conversations in the cafe as we share lunch together and, and meet some new people. Uh, but this is, this is part of what God wants to do. It's, it's part of giving the Holy Spirit access to our lives in every way. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Paul continues in verse 3. He says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit 
through the bond of peace. That there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. And, and this is the big, one of the big takeaways this morning, that our calling as Vineyard Church of Augusta, it requires us to celebrate our unity. But don't just celebrate it. It is something that we have to actively work to maintain. And it is also something that we have to diligently guard. Uh, it, it's because there are so many forces that would seek to come and dissolve the unity that we are to have in Christ. And so we've, we've got to celebrate it. We've got to do the work to maintain unity, but we also have to guard against those things that would seek to break it up. Um, and, and Paul has already addressed unity here in, in the book of Ephesians. He did so talking about the, the unity that God's calling the Jews and the Gentiles do, but it, too. But it's so much more than an ethnic diversity that he's calling us to oneness in. It's about uh, just us coming together with all of our differences. Unity is what Jesus prayed for right before his crucifixion. And that, that, that conversation with Father God where he's pouring out his heart, in all the midst of that, he's praying for unity, that we would be one as Jesus and the Father are one, so that we would be brought to complete unity, not just a, a, a fractional unity or a partial unity, but complete unity. This is the will of, the, uh, of Jesus for us. And this is a powerful witness to the world. So one of the things that we can do as we talk about celebrating our unity and, and actively maintaining it and diligently guarding, uh, guarding it is to actually pray for unity. As you pray for Vineyard Church of Augusta, if this is your church family or whether you're visiting and you just happen to think of us in your prayer time, pray for unity. Pray for unity in our body and practice unity. How do we practice unity? We do so by being focused on Jesus and his mission. And we do so by both by refraining from gossip, by uh, refraining from speaking it, refraining also from listening to it, uh, that we would be united and focused on, on, on what God has called us to, and more importantly, that we'd be focused on Jesus. Uh, I, I've always loved in the vineyard, John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, the founding leader of the vineyard movement, he always called the Vineyard Church to a centered set model. Uh, there are different kinds of social theory. One's a bounded set where you're either in or you're out based on different things. Uh, there's a fuzzy set where it's just like, do whatever you want to do. There's no focus. And that's sort of crazy chaos. That's not what we're called to. But Wimber challenged us and said, for us to be a centered set focus, and the center is Jesus. Because we have a very diverse congregation coming from all kinds of different backgrounds, different socioeconomic uh, places and experiences, different political uh, views. So what brings us together to worship and to serve and to love our community, to, to love Jesus and do his ministry everywhere? It's Jesus being at our center. That is what brings us together. That is our focus, and, and I, I recognize the fact that, that we are not a homogenous group, and I'm good with that. I love that, but that's also challenging at times. That causes us to go back and to, 
to, to heed Paul's words, to be completely humble and, and gentle, to honor one another, to prefer others over uh, than ourselves. So it, it is about recognizing that our center, we're here because we're focused on the person of Jesus Christ, honoring him, glorifying him, and all drawing closer to him. Paul continues, there is one body. There's not a white church and a black church or a conservative church or a liberal church, not a rich church or a poor church. There is one church, one body of Christ. There is one spirit, the Holy Spirit. There is one hope that is firmly established in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And in nothing else and in no one else can we place our hope. There is one Lord, the forgiver of our sins, the leader of our lives. And in him, we have one faith and and we're going to have, uh, we have one baptism. Now, some people sprinkle, some people dunk. We dunk. Uh, some people dunk at the lake. Some people dunk in a baptismal. We do it in a horse trough, all right? And we're part of the body of Christ, okay? But it's all about the recognition that we are following Christ. And we are dying to our old person, our old self, our sinful, carnal nature, and we are being resurrected in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It's that one baptism where we identify with Christ, one God, one Father of all. He's calling us to oneness, firmly established in our center, who is Jesus Christ. Now, unfortunately, way too much of the church's witness has been uh, about marked with division and infighting and And more and more of our focus is on our differences rather than the things that we share in common. And Satan knows this, doesn't he? And he uses this. Satan continually seeks to steal, to kill, to destroy, John 10, 10. And disunity and division are two of his favorite tools to accomplish this. And so often we are willing accomplices with him. And we got to stop that. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to give us discernment, to, to, to let there be a, an internal alarm as we are about to just jump into a divisive conversation or divisive posting on social media and ask ourselves, God, how would you want me to respond to see your kingdom come, to see your will be done in this situation, to be one who brings people together in your love and in your goodness and in your power, in your truth. Because if we want to see the fruit of disunity and division, just look at the world around us, guys. I mean, and you know, uh, we've got another election cycle. It's amazing how they come so frequently, right? And the enemy loves to use the division and the disunity and and we need to be people of tremendous prayer between now and November and don't stop then. Uh, but this is, this is something for us in the midst of this, God has called us in the midst of this dark chaos and vitriol, God has called us to be light and he will empower us to be light in the midst of this darkness. This is something he can do, he wants to do and he will do as we seek him and ask him. And so let us be people that are united united in in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when this happens, when we are united in the Spirit, it is so good. I love Psalm 133. I want to read this for you this morning. Because this is the, the picture of what a united body 
uh, can look like and how it can be expressed. Uh, David writes, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like a precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his priestly robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. The church united in Christ and, uh, and, 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 and united in Christ and in the mission of Christ, it is a place of tremendous anointing. It is a place of God's presence. It is a place where people are saved. It is a place where people are healed. People are set free, where the poor are served and God's justice comes. It is a place of his anointing. It's also a place of refreshing. It is a place of refreshing. But that refreshing is not just for us. We're called to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit. And then we are called to go out and let the refreshment of the Holy Spirit just be poured out of us onto the world around us. And that is our calling. That is our mission. And as a unified body, we set our focus on Jesus and we continually seek the Holy Spirit to fill us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and anoint your church let that be our prayer. Come, bring your kingdom, anoint your church. Come and bring refreshing to your church. Let your church bring refreshing to the world around us, to the community around us, and, and, and bring that. Let it come, Lord. Let it come. And with Jesus at the center of his church, we don't have to be threatened by the inconsequential differences that are in the world around us. Uh, I mean, because... The thing about this letter and many of Paul's letters is he, he celebrates all the different gifts and all the different roles. In fact, we're going to talk about that next week. And so it's not just saying I'm, I'm calling you to, to, to sameness. No, uh, he says this, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, this is a matter of grace. We don't deserve God's grace, his, his unmerited favor, salvation. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve anything but death uh, from, from God because of our sinfulness. But because of his grace, he has given us salvation, and he also gives his church gifts. And God has chosen to equip and to gift his church with all kinds of different gifts, that are not for us. They're not for our own personal benefit. They are given to bless, to encourage, and to build up one another. And being a unified church means that we celebrate and that we value all of God's gifts that he has placed in his body, that all of them are important, that all of them have value. And a big challenge for us is never to be jealous or resentful about someone else's gift. That is such a waste of time and energy, and it completely distracts us uh, from, from the, the giftings that God has given us that he wants to, to put into place in his body. So as you see uh, someone with a gifting that you don't have, celebrate it, bless it, encourage it, uh, and, and, and don't be resentful of it, don't be jealous of it, uh, bless it. And, and that is something that we're called to do. And that's one of the things that our growth pathway is about, is about helping everybody in our congregation discover your gifts and then develop them 
and employ them in the, the, the life of, of our church and, and in your life as well so that God would be honored and glorified and others would be served. So hear me, hear me on this. When I say we need to be unified in mission, I, I'm not talking about a uniformity. Unity does not mean uniformity. As you look at the whole of Scripture, you're going to find that diversity is not just a contemporary buzzword. No, I mean, diversity among followers of Jesus is as important to unity in Christ as a common doctrine or theology. And that, that's like, wait a second, that seems almost counterintuitive. But no, the, the message of unity calls us to come together with all our diversity and to have Jesus at our center that we're all focused on him, we're all seeking to honor him, to serve him, to love him and do his ministry everywhere. And we make space and we make room for all the different kinds of faces, peoples, personalities, giftings that God decides to bring together. Now, I've been here, uh, Mary Margaret and I have been part of this church since 1990. Yeah, we've been here a long time. And, and one of the cool things about that, unlike this morning, I was just reflecting and, and a grandmother reminded me that two of the kids are going to be baptized this morning. Uh, I had the privilege of baptizing their mom and actually officiating at their wedding. So you get to enjoy and be a part of some of those milestones, which is really, really awesome. Uh, it, it's, it's really, really cool to see that. And, um, and so I'm, I'm thankful that, that we get to, to have that. But Part of my experience here is seeing the wide variety of people that are, that are part of our church, that have been part of our church and still are, and that we love that, that we've got people uh, in all kinds of walks, and we want to see even more diversity as we come together to be united in the person of, of Jesus Christ. The church really does need all kinds of different giftings, different styles of worship, even beyond the church. One of the things I've always loved about the vineyard, John Wimber, our founding leader, emphasized, he said, if it's Christ-centered and life-giving, bless it. Even though it's not the vineyard, bless it. In fact, prefer it. Prefer them. God, prefer our brothers and sisters in the AME church. Prefer our brothers and sisters in the Catholic church. Prefer our brothers and sisters in the Southern Baptist church. Do we believe every jot and tittle that they believe? No. And they don't believe everything that we believe either in terms of all of maybe some of the non-essential things. But focus on the fact that we've got so much in common and bless God's purposes in their church, in their lives, in their ministries. Actually prefer it. The Holy Spirit, he is the one who, is, uh, who unites us. He is the gift who unites us in God's love. He forms Christ-likeness in us, and he empowers us to do the ministry of Jesus. And so our heart's cry is more Holy Spirit, more of you, more and more of you. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he ascended to the Father. He had that conversation that we read about in Acts chapter 1 with the, the disciples, but then he, he, he was taken away. He ascended to the Father. But remember, in the great, giving the Great Commission, he promised, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you ill-equipped to be able to carry out the ministry, the assignment that I've given you. And so in this Ephesians 4 passage, Paul references Psalm 68 and he says, Jesus ascended so that the Holy Spirit could descend on all people, on men and women, 
on the rich and the poor, on young and old, so that he could come and and gift us, that we all could experience the fullness of God's love that that Paul talked about last chapter in chapter 3 that fullness of the love of Jesus, that we can experience that love, the fullness of that love because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, whom as a result, we can become more and more like Jesus and we can be more and more equipped to do the ministry of Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit Vineyard Church of Augusta that we have, one of our values is that we partner with the Holy Spirit. That is not just something interesting for a lobby banner, okay? That is the core of who we are and what we're about because there is nothing of any eternal consequence that I can do in the name of Jesus or you can do in the name of Jesus or Vineyard Church of Augusta can do in the name of Jesus apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. I can't save anybody neither can you. I can't heal anybody, neither can you. I can't set anyone free, neither can you. But the Holy Spirit, he can. He loves to do that. And he loves and he he is purposed and he's planned to do it through you and through me. That's his plan. That's not my idea. Uh, If I were God, that would not be my idea. All right? And it's a good thing on so many levels that I'm not God. So, um, although I'm sure people in my family might pretend to say that some days I pretend to be. But anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole other topic for therapy and healing prayer. (laughs) We need the Holy Spirit. So we want to continually join with the ancient prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Come and fill your church. Come and fill our lives. Come and fill our families, our marriages, our bodies. Come and fill every part of who we are. Every part. Come and and fill our minds, our spirits, our words, our vocabulary. Let them be anointed. Let them be refreshing, God. Let them, let them. Let us never cease in joining In that ancient prayer, Lord, let let your kingdom come. Holy Spirit, come. Let your will be done in us. Let that happen. Let's stand together. I want to pray that blessing over us as we begin our time of worship this morning. Worship team, if you guys want to go ahead and come up. Holy Spirit, we love you. We honor you. God, we thank you. We thank you for 35 wonderful years. We thank you for being faithful and being with us through very difficult seasons. We thank you for the times of celebration. We thank you for the ways you've shown up in power, the ways you've shown up in love and in kindness and compassion. And God, our heart's desire and our prayer is for more. Holy Spirit, unite us. Holy Spirit, protect us. Come against the plans and the schemes of the enemy to cause division, to cause disunity. Jesus, be our center. Be our center, Lord. Set our hearts, set our minds, set our spirits on you and you alone. 
come and be honored in this place. We love you. We thank you. We celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen.